Eight weeks ago, I realized that I was in trouble. I should have realized it long before that, but I didn't. I realized eight weeks ago that I was in trouble because the demands both of the ministries, English, Farsi, and then my parents, and the demands that we had as a result of their coming to be with us were such that I found myself literally trying to keep up with all of those things. Some of you may recall the story of the plate spinner trying to keep up with all the plates, going from you know, one thing to the next to the next to the next and trying to, trying to somehow make sure that all the plates kept spinning. Well, I was, I was in a place eight weeks ago where, where I realized that it wasn't going to take too much for the plates to begin to fall and to crash. And probably more significantly, I realized that the, the primary plate that was going to crash first was me. I was just going to end up um, in a really bad way. And some of you, some of you may not know this, but um, for the last 40 years now, when I think back, 40 years ago when I started doing this stuff, doing ministry and started doing youth work and all kinds of stuff and going to school and and uh, all of that. Uh, Forty years ago, started on this journey, which has been uh, both the delight and joy of my life as well as the challenge of my life. And then 20 years ago, when Ruth and I moved to the valley and we started to build relationships with folks and started to uh, begin what is known today for us as Pinnacle, with the help of many initially starting off working full-time at a restaurant, and then because of Sam and others, I was able to kind of take a break from that. But through the last 20 years, I've, I've kind of been like the guy who's been, uh, you know, in the deep end of the swimming pool and constantly pushing up from the bottom long enough to catch another breath to go down and do some more and work and so on, and then pushing up getting another breath to go on. And so that went on for, for quite a while, 20 years, with a weekend here and a weekend there, maybe two in a row, uh, two weeks in a row, which would have been and was at times really awesome. But eight weeks ago, I realized that it just wasn't, it wasn't working. Before, as, as Sarah pointed out to me, um, I used to go through these times where you'd get tired or whatever, and as I said, you know, you kind of push up from the bottom of the pool and get a breath and get rejuvenated a little bit. But eight weeks ago, I realized that I'm, I'm not coming up for air. I'm not getting rejuvenated, not physically. I find myself uh, exhausted and exhausted through the day. And so uh, I knew that I needed to do something, and when I was given permission by the elders to take a break, 
I reluctantly agreed. Reluctantly because, you know, I'm so used to not having breaks, significant breaks. And so I thought, I thought, boy, I don't know if I can do that. In fact, I remember the first weekend that I was off feeling like I needed to get right back on the horse. I needed to get right back in the saddle. I needed to come right back and be here the next week and so on. And it was, it was really struggle, a struggle for me to just stay away. Because I, I just love you guys. And I'm loved by you. And so it's a wonderful thing. And I love being here. And, and it, was, it was a challenge to, to just stay away. I found myself reflecting on one psalm in particular that I'm going to share with you this morning that really was helpful to me during this time. And it wasn't without its challenges. It wasn't without its challenges at all. The passage of Scripture that you see reflected on the words behind me, Be still, are from Psalm 46. And in Psalm 46, the psalmist, as he's writing, he he ends the psalm in verse 10, just before 11. He says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It's really difficult to come to the place where you can really embrace that truth. And maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you have been like that music box that's been wound up so tight it doesn't play music anymore. Or maybe you're like the rubber band, you know, that's been stretched for so long that you're just waiting for it to snap. Or maybe life is just so challenging and demanding that you are working and you are striving so hard to keep up with all the things that have to be done and all the places you have to go and all the people you have to see that, that you're just no longer experiencing human emotions. In fact, emotions by themselves seem to be gone and now you're just simply trudging through and making it from one station to the next. Be still and know that I am God. I had to answer four questions during this time, during these six weeks. Basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where do I fit? And what am I doing? The answers to those four questions are key. They're vital for every one of us. And I've asked them over and over again during the course of my life. But I had to answer them again during this six-week period. And I have to tell you that it took me... Are you ready for this? It took me five weeks, five weeks, almost five and a half weeks before I could hear from God. 
I almost called the elders and said, you know, I need another six weeks. <laughs> I think I was smart enough not to. No. I'm serious. It took, it took almost five full weeks for me to be able to come to the place where I could be still and know that he was God. Because be still doesn't mean silence. The word here for be still is the Hebrew word, and it means to desist. It means to lay your hands down, to drop your hands. It, it means to ground your weapons. Stop fighting. Literally, it means cease striving. Cease striving. Have you ever tried to stop fighting? Have you ever tried to just stop making it happen, doing what has to be done? I'm telling you, the first five weeks were just, oh my. I mean, right off the bat, I kept thinking, I've got six weeks. Okay, God, six weeks. You've got to speak to me. You've got to tell me what I need to do. You gotta tell me what I need to work on. You need to tell me where we need to go. You need to speak to me. And the first week I kept saying, you know, it's been two or three days, God. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not preparing messages. I'm not, you know, I'm just I'm here. Hanging out. And you know what I heard from God? Nothing. I kept saying, God, you know, you gotta, you got to speak to me. In six weeks, I'm going back, and everybody's going to want to know, well, what did you hear? What did you learn? What are you, you going to do? Where are we going? And I kept finding myself thinking, well, I've got to figure this out. See, that's the exact opposite of cease striving. We do that in life. We think we've got to figure it all out. We think it would work out all the details. We've got to make it all happen before it happens. We've got to know where we're going, how we're going to get there, how we're going to pay for it, all kinds of things. We, we keep fighting and striving to figure it all out. And the psalmist here in Psalm 46.10 says, you've got to stop. You have to stop striving to figure it out. You've got to cease fighting with God for an answer that you want for direction that you desire. You've got to cease striving so that you can hear what God has, what God wants. In the process of these weeks, as I was reflecting on this psalm over and over and over again, I noticed that there are, there are three specific things that he describes before he talks about the need to just be still, to surrender, to cease striving. And the first one uh, is the fact that he, he describes who he is. God is our, is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge. God is our strength. It's the place you run to. Right now in Israel, when all the thousands of bombs go into Israel and the sirens sound, everybody goes to their shelter. And they sit in their shelter and wait for the, wait for the bombs to pass and wait for the incident to pass. 
When bombs of life come our way, challenges and difficulties come our way, the Bible tells us that God is our refuge. God is the place we need to go. God is the one who has that unique ability to hold us, to comfort us, to give us the confidence to know that we're okay and we're safe, even in the midst of life's challenges, even when the bombs of the world and life are coming in on us. He is our refuge and our strength. That's who he is. And then in verse 4, particularly, he talks about what he's provided, where he says there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There's a river. God is that place and God is that person who becomes for us the water of life that refreshes us, that gives us the incredible nesty plunge feeling. So much more than that, obviously, but it's just that refreshing. I was... I was reminded of Psalm 42, you know, where the psalmist says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And, And I thought about the fact that, you know, most of the time when we think of Psalm 42, as the deer panteth for the water, we think of that, we think of this, this serene picture, you know, at least I have in the past, of, of the, the deer, you know, the deer with the water and just drinking it in and enjoying it and all of that. But you know what I found out in reading that and, looking at it, it's talking about someone, it's talking about a deer who desperately needs water. As the deer pants for water, looking for it, running for it, trying to find it, hungering, wanting it so badly, and not finding it. And it says, as the deer pants for the, for the water, so my soul pants for you. It's that dryness, it's that emptiness that is only filled and satisfied by him. And it says here in Psalm 46 that there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The other thing that I saw in this passage was what God has demonstrated over and over and over again, his works, his works. In verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord. And then he describes what he has done. But I just wanted to focus on those three things because it took me took me five weeks constantly bring, being brought back to these truths in order for me to come to the place where I was able to finally cease striving and f- stop fighting. I had to recognize once again who he is, his promises, his presence. I had to recognize what he's provided, all the things, the provisions that he's made. And then I had to remember again, even as we were reminded this morning, as far as giving goes by Candace, I had to be reminded again of of his works. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Think, our God is big, our God is mighty, our God is strong, our God is powerful. Is anything too hard for him? No. No. Even life, when it seems to be falling apart, even life, when it doesn't seem to work the way we want, even, even when you reach the place as I did, uh, you know, eight weeks ago where I was kind of in a sailboat without any sails in the middle of a 
massive, massive ocean. And there wasn't any wind. There wasn't any food. And I thought, I'm just going to I'm just going to die out here. And then as I reflected on these things and I finally just started to loosen up. You know, I think of kids. Whenever kids go get shots, have you ever seen you take them in to get a shot from the doctor and, and the doctor or the nurse comes, you know, comes in with the shot and the kid all of a sudden is like... Mm just as stiff as a board. You try to get them to relax, you know, and they're like, they're trying really hard to relax. You've been there, huh? And that's what we do with life. We do, with, we do the same thing with life. We, we, we find ourselves trying so hard to stop trying. We try so hard to be still, to cease striving. And the more we try to relax and to rest in the Lord and to wait on the Lord, the more impossible it gets. Well, that's what the first weeks of my time away were. It was like, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to relax today. I'm going <laughs> to... By God's grace and goodness, as I ref- reflected on these, started thinking about who He is, what He's provided all the things that he's done, just began to find myself letting go of the stress and the tension. And then, and then God spoke. And then God began to show me things, kind of like the person who's in the middle of the forest. And the phrase... They can't see the forest for the trees because they're stuck in the middle. So it took me about four and a half, five weeks, I guess, to find my way up the mountain so I could look around and see the forest. What a refreshing thing. To be, to be able to see life around you, to be able to see the things that God has in store, to be able to look at where you've been and to be able to have, have clarity about where you're supposed to go kind of reminds me briefly about you know the movie the hobbit i imagine most of you've seen it i don't know but you know they're going through the forest you know right the fang not fanghorn uh oh well they're going through the forest and uh right when they meet the spiders and everything else and frodo they're all lost they're just kind of wandering around wandering around and so frodo uh, decides that he's going to climb a tree. And he climbs a tree, sticks his head up out of the tree, and he says, hey, I can see where, I, I can see. Finally, I can see. When he comes back down, of course, all of his buddies are all wrapped up in spider webs. Anyway, being able to see where you're going or recognize where you need to go is so, so important. So as I reflected on this and began to think about it, God gave me four, four sails that all need to go up. And all these sails need to rise so that when they, when they are all in place, then the wind of God will come to blow. We want the wind to blow before we put up the sails. And God says, no, you put up the sails and I'll blow. 
And the four things I've already mentioned to you, very simple, very basic. Who am I? Who am I? Who are we as a church? Why am I here? Why are we here? Where do I fit individually? And what do I do? What do I do? Over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to try to unpack some of that for, for Pinnacle, for you. I'm going to give you the four statements from the book of First and Second Timothy, where I spent a lot of time as well. The first one is First Timothy 4.16. where Paul tells Timothy, pay close attention to yourself. (coughs) Pay close attention to yourself. Answering the question, who am I? The second one is 1 Timothy 6.12. Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Answering the question, why am I here? Third, 1 Timothy 4.14. Paul again writing tells Timothy, do not neglect Do not neglect the gift that is within you. Where do you fit? Where do you fit? Where do we fit? And then finally, the fourth one is 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul tells Timothy again, he says, Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. So we're going to spend some time looking at each one of these together because I really think, I think that these are are significant for your well-being as an individual. I think they are incredibly important for us as a church family. And I think that God wants us to spend some time looking at these four questions and and trying to answer them both individually as well as as a church so that we can be fruitful and fulfilled in this thing we call life. These four questions will answer how many plates you, you ought to be spinning And which plates you ought to just let fall. These four questions will help you to understand that there's a rhythm to life. Even Solomon said there's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. There's a rhythm to life. I am just now. Isn't it amazing that it's taken almost 60 years, just about 60 years for me to finally recognize this truth? 
that there's a rhythm to life. I knew it in my head. What does the ocean do? It has ebbs and flows. What does every day consist of? Morning, nighttime. Life has ebbs and flows to it. And we need to find out how God has put us together and the ebb and flow that he has for us. We've got to figure that out. We've got to pay attention to ourselves. Find out how we need to function because none of us will function if we don't figure out how it is that God's put us together. I always thought the way you functioned was you got up in the morning whenever you had to get up and you went full speed until you fell over. And then you woke up and did it again. And when I was a lot younger, it seemed to work okay. <laughs> it's not the optimal way to function. You know, you're, there's an ebb and flow. Who am I? Pay, pay attention to yourself. We need to also recognize that we are in the arena of battle when it comes to our faith. We got to fight this good fight of faith. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? I need to figure out how I'm wired. And maybe some of you already know how you're wired. You already know the gifts that God's given to you. You already know how they all fit together. Well, I really was pretty confident of the same thing. And yet, I have to tell you that asking these questions has helped me to understand that so often we become like that, that person who's a jack-of-all-trades. And how does it go? Master of none. God has put you in a place where you are a master, you are an expert, you are proficient for for a couple of things. You've got to find out what those are. And then you've got to revolve your life around those things. And then finally, when it comes to those things, all this put together, what is the ministry that God wants you to fulfill? What is it that you're supposed to do? Because God has a ministry for every one of us. People who have titles and people who need titles. People who ought to have titles. We're all servants of Christ. We all have places to serve. We have things to do. And sometimes we want to serve in the areas where we, we think things are, are exciting and we want to be a part of that. And sometimes we kind of find ourselves moving like amoebas, you know, and running after those areas that are really exciting. And then... And then finding out, well, that's not really my, my place or my niche or I can't really do this or I can't really do that. You need to find out who you are. You need to find out why you're here. You need to find out where you fit and the things that God's given to you so that you know what it is you're supposed to do so that when, when you end up, when you end up, you can hear the words of our gracious Lord who will say, well done. Well done. It all starts, though, with this first point that we emphasized, and that is cease striving.
cease striving. I don't know what that means for you this morning. I don't know how God is speaking to your heart about that this morning. I don't know if the Lord is is wanting you to come to terms with the fact that for you to cease striving means to finally stop trying to earn your way to heaven. Stop trying so hard to be okay, to be accepted, to be allowed, granted access to God by your own good works. Just stop. Cease striving. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. And then choose to follow him. And for others of you who have already done that and made that decision as I have many years ago, maybe today all you need to do is to begin to recognize that I'm wound up so tight that the life that I want to live is just not working. You know, like the music box, wound up so tight that the music is not playing sitting on the shelf. Everybody can see it. But it's not playing. So what I'm asking for you this morning is not to do anything. I'm asking you to make a choice. I'm asking you to make a choice this morning. A very simple choice. Whatever it is that turns your heart from God, whatever it is that has dulled your ears, whatever it is that has has kept you now in the dark and you really can't see, whatever it is that is keeping you from enjoying God and enjoying life, whatever it is, surrender. Just surrender that this morning. All that turns your heart from him Lay it down. Just lay it down. Just take whatever it is that you have in your hand and just just open it up and let go. Cease striving and know that I am God. And the result will be he will be exalted. He'll be exalted in your in your life. He'll be exalted in your world. Cease striving. Lay it down. Surrender. Father, we are so, so blessed that you love us. There's no greater and more significant truth than the fact that you love us. Probably the greatest words ever penned for a song are the simple words, Jesus loves me. Thank you, Father. You love us this morning, every one of us. And you want us to start to sing again the song in our hearts. 
so, Father, this morning, help us to lay it down. Help us to just surrender whatever it is that's kept us so wound up. Father, make us worshipers this morning who surrender. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.